Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we talk about horror movies of the past and present. We are your hosts, I'm Richard, and with me are Will. Hello. And Jolian. Good afternoon. Will is writing and illustrating a graphic novel about the Black Dahlia, with more historical accuracy than you've seen before on this subject. Jolian is an illustrator and comic artist who you may know from his many magazine covers, DVD art, and Lego Ninja Go comic book series. I'm an illustrator and screen printer who sometimes paints and sculpts. You can find my work at ScreenMonsters.com. And we're going to give you the spoiler warning right off the top. We're going to reveal important plot points or conclusions. We're going to tell you the butler did it or it was all just a dream. That's going to happen. So you've been warned. There you have it. We're not film critics. We don't get paid to do this at all. We don't. (laughs) No, it's actually, you know. He's been sending me those checks. Um, I think those were from, did you, did you do any work in any movies? No. Okay. I was going to say, if you didn't do any storyboards or anything, could be residuals. Mm. I made an arm for something called Alien Valley. Mm. It was originally called PM. Did that ever come out? Yeah. It's available on VOD. So, uh, we could have the writer, uh, Chris Sims on here sometime if we wanted. Yeah. I think he's a listener. So. Hmm. So thank you to the Moonrays for their intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find them at themoon-rays.com or buy their music on iTunes or Amazon. Uh, what have you guys watched since last time, Will? Um, I saw the new space movie. The new space movie? Yeah. <laughs> Could uh, you be more specific? <laughs> Black Hole 8. Black Hole 8? Disney's the Black Hole 8. Mm. I didn't know there was a 2 through 7. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've been Shit. putting them out every couple of years. Really? It's been a while. I think it's like, the last one came out 15 years ago or so. So it's like Air Bud? They just keep pumping them out? Sort of. Or Beethoven? Or something? You know, but more robots. and mm. They should do some robot dog movies. So each Black Hole takes them to a different dimension and a new set of crazy adventures. Yeah. So it's like Quantum Leap. This one, they were cut back into the first movie, the original movie. Oh, right. So it's like Time Tunnel. They just watch footage from the previous movie. Hmm. I also watched uh, Spaceship America. (laughs) Team Wonder Force. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever that... It was Spaceship America. I really think it needs a logo. It does. Like a Love Boat type logo. Um... Yeah, the space movie left such a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't want to watch this or anything. What if you had a choice between that space movie and a command performance by Eric Estrada? Command performance? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> he riding his motorcycle? I think he was going to be... Okay, do they say spinning donuts in England, Julian? When... Oh, you mean driving round and round? Yeah, in little circles. What Do they, do they say donuts? I don't know. He's out there spinning crumpets in the yeah. front yard of his mansion. <laughs> Biscuits. Biscuits. 
So was that really it? Yeah, I think that was it. Awesome. I know I watched some other things, but... Yeah, who cares, right? Yeah, I, I didn't write them down. Julian, what have you seen since uh, we blasted so this? Apart from the movie of the week, um, uh, because it has a, uh, clips from a couple of other movies in it. I yeah, wa- what I, were they? I watched them as well to make to check up on uh, how relevant they'd be. Okay. Because like everything else in the movie is like foreshadowing or an omen or some right. something. Mm-hmm. It ties into it. There's nothing accidental. So I watched them again to see what would happen. What were they? I know the first one was... Uh... First one's Killer, Killers from Space. Yes. Killers from Space. Okay. Yeah. And then With the, Peter Graves. The second one is uh, Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women. I've never seen that one. What that are one these prehistoric... pretty good. <laughs> Do these prehistoric women want snoo snoo? Shall I, shall I talk about them now? <laughs> sure, why oh, not? We can. We, we'll have well, to talk about them again when we get to that scene. Well, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that because it's going to be relevant and it's at least going to be interesting. Okay. What else did you watch? Yeah. Uh, well, just before I left, uh, I got delivery from Amazon, and it was uh, Jodorowsky's or Holdorowsky's uh, June. You know oh. the documentary about the make. Yeah. The yeah. Making of a I movie. I still need to see that made. one. Yeah. They've, they've talked about that a lot on Killer POV, and it's mm. had my curiosity. Yeah. It sounds awesome. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing that. Super cool. Is that it? Yep. Have you seen that yet? No, it just no. arrived okay. just before I left. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you'd watched it before, just didn't have no, it on no, DVD. No. Somebody I talked to had watched it. thought it was great. Yeah. It sounds good. Well, since last time I saw Spring, which I really enjoyed... I've uh, heard about that. Oh, it's interesting. It's about a guy who um, his mother dies, and he's in a situation where um, he doesn't have much going on, and gets into a scrape at a bar that is part of the restaurant where he works, and it looks like he might be facing assault charges with some guy who started it and deserved it. But uh, his a girl that he meets up with says, "Why don't you just take your passport and?" go somewhere just get out of here and he takes that advice and goes to italy so it looks great Hmm. some people may or may not like the story and how it unfolds he meets up with a girl and there's some kind of um strange stuff going on with her i'm not going to spoil it at all Uh, but she's got some interesting things that happen with her and uh it doesn't feel really like a horror movie exactly but i think it could just as a technicality fit into the category. So it's pretty cool. Um, it looks beautiful if nothing else. And uh, some of the dialogue with the main character and his friend, who's the bartender when this scuffle happens is really funny because he hits a guy in the mouth and knocks his gold grill out of the, <laughs> right out of his mouth. The guy started it. He was being awful. And the smaller guy just pastes him right in the, right in the lips. And, uh, and his friend, the bartender, says, it's my favorite line out of the movie, you knock that stupid gold thing right out of his mouth. <laughs> he doesn't even dignify it by calling it a grill <laughs> or even bother to know what it's called. It's lying on the floor in the bar. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's not as violent as it is comedic, the way it unfolds. I don't know why I'm going into detail about that. Um, also saw this uh, movie called All, Cheer- All Cheerleaders Die. Sounds like trauma. It's not. It's surprisingly um, pretty good. It's uh, Lucky McKee. Okay. Who directed it. I think wrote and directed it. So it's pretty interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. 
it's not perfect, but it's very interesting. And with any movie, there's always a few things you could see how they could have been done differently. But this one was, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched some Morgan Spurlock um, short documentary. It's like half an hour long about handmade stuff. And there's knife makers, cooks, and these um, Japanese folks who make pottery in, I think it's about a 200-year-old uh, kiln they use. So their tradition is long. And it's really neat. It kind of toggles back and forth between those three stories. So that was pretty cool. So, um, that being said, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff has happened with our dear celebrities since last time. Um, Mm -hmm. let me kill Mr. Was laid to rest. Um, there was a memorial for him that streamed live from the motorhead official YouTube channel. Mm. It was very touching tribute to him. And, uh, local bars had parties as well. Yeah. You don't really know how many people like motorhead and who admired Lemmy until, he goes and unexpectedly dies. He's kind of like Keith Richards. You didn't think he was ever going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just too tough. But he did. And that was... Strangely, I think you mentioned him the day before he died. Yes. Well, we Just w- randomly he came up in conversation <laughs> and at I, your and birthday I, lunch. Yes, I posted about that because uh, that was the 27th and he died on the 28th. Yeah. And, how- and I don't think anybody had mentioned motorhead or lemmy in several years <laughs> in your presence i remember <laughs> and uh you killed him so, so, i, I so killed him. way to go so today you're gonna replace everyone's names no matter who they are with donald trump yes <laughs> that's exactly right we're gonna invoke whatever whatever the hell kills everything and everybody <laughs> by our talking about it we also lost angus scrim Mm. who um just this weekend yeah and he died just yesterday i believe and i had mentioned him previously on the show uh in that my friend dean had said should i go for the tracy lord's autograph or (laughs) angus scrim and i told him you're gonna see her at more of these in the future than you're gonna see him and i didn't mean that in any bad way other than just by virtue of the fact that he was older Mm -hmm. and uh so far as I know, all of um, Phantasm Five Ravager is, you know, all the photography was done on it, yeah. and we will have one last Phantasm movie with the tall man. Yep, let's go. Let's yeah, let's do this. Do Come trip. on, Coscarelli. Or, he's not directing this one, is he? He's not? I don't think he is. I thought he was. Oh, I could no, be wrong. Who yeah. else can direct one of those? I don't know. <laughs> we should look that up. That's nuts. Maybe I'm thinking it's of... It's got to be him. Maybe I'm thinking of Bubba Nosferatu. Oh, yeah, 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 because he just did the first one of that. Yeah, Bubba Hotep. Maybe he's not doing Bubba. Right. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, which is a good reason to transition into talking about this movie. Yes. It follows. Which also shares a photographer with um, uh, John Dies at the End. Oh, really? There's our Coscarelli tie-in. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. I didn't dig very deep into who worked on this. So that's good to know, because it... It looks cool. This movie yeah, looks great. It's great looking. Yeah. Did any of the suburban neighborhood stuff remind you guys of um, John Carpenter's Halloween? Oh, yeah. There's John Carpenter all over this. Do you think so? <laughs> I kind of felt like it was, too. Yeah. It's definitely. I mean, it's, uh, it's not one of those homage things, you know, weren't the 80s great or whatever. Right. And, and you know, but my movie isn't. It's a, you know, it's a great movie that does its own thing. And you can tell he grew up on classic horror and Carpenter and everybody. It felt that way. Yeah. 
What did you think, Will? I like this movie a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it was cool that they, they made the uh, the time, the, the setting of, of when this movie takes place sort of ambiguous. You know, you can, you can definitely put, you know, put a pin in, okay, there's this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. So it can't be any earlier than this thing or yeah, that thing. Yeah, a cell phone and an e-reader. And... Yeah, that, that e-reader that doesn't really exist. Um, there is a cell phone and I guess there's a newer model of car somewhere in this thing. So it's not any older setting than 2005 or 2008 yeah. or something like that. But uh, Jay has a cord phone in her bedroom. Yes. Did that remind you of the Freddy tongue phone from Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> it was that same Conair phone. No, no I don't remember. Didn't, I didn't uh, nah. get that connection. There. Oh, yeah. It was that kind of curved phone. That, that timelessness reminds me of um, like the uh, Universal Frankenstein movies where it's kind of middle Europe. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of <laughs> dream space, uh, you know, with all sorts of accents wandering around and all sorts of clothing going on. Yeah. A fanciful made-up Europe that does not yeah, really it's exist. Yeah, it's this kind of dream idea of... Yeah, that's a good way to look at this. So as far as how the story unfolds, did you like the way it's sort of, uh, you could call it cold open, how it just kind of jumped right into the action? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a really cool way to just get into it. Right. Like not a bunch of laying a foundation and messing around with making us no, no. know things about people who we don't really need to know yeah. things you about. Write, you write those things, but you tear those pages out before you yeah. Yeah. film it. Because it'll inform how you handle your characters, but you don't need to tell the audience all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Information in this is really nicely dealt out you know mm-hmm. yeah they were very sparing with it weren't they yeah there's nothing in this movie that's not supposed to be there how much yeah at the end of this movie how much do you feel like you knew about the kind of nerdy friend that kid much as he needed to right but not a bit more yeah that was pretty cool hmm. yeah and he got you know again we gave a spoiler warning i loved at the how they yeah they talked about you know he talks about the other kid greg oh we slept together in high school i mean She's like in her first year of college, so mm-hmm. was what last year, <laughs> maybe two Ancient years ago. History. But they talked about things like they were, yeah, ten years, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. So the way um, the way a lot of people looked at this movie, and, and you know, to sort of uh, wax philosophical about it, some people sort of got the idea that there is something about when you're growing up. You're coming of age, you realize that your own mortality is a thing and your own sexuality is a thing. So this movie supposedly uh, takes those two realizations in your life and, and the way they work together and pairs them off and sort of walks through that experience and makes a, a literal scary story out of it. Did you get that at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I I saw this movie actually as a as a uh, I don't know the it follows was children, yeah, having kids in a way. <laughs> it follows and it makes a lot of noise and messes and yeah, <laughs> costs a lot of money. With the uh, director writer is David Robert Mitchell, and his previous feature film was uh, Myth of the American Sleepover. So it's another coming-of-age film. 
All right, that makes sense. Not even heard of that. No, I, I, I not seen haven't it. either. No. It would be interesting to see it and wonder. Yeah, I'd like to watch it. I thought this was this was really well done. Yeah, genuinely creepy. Yeah, the atmosphere was set really well. And uh, in my notes, like I think one of the first notes I made was, yeah, neighborhood street looks great. It's fall. It's really cool, and the soundtrack uh, sort of uh, comes up without a lot of warning. It's really chaotic and pulsating music. Um, it did get a little overwhelming in places as far as the volume, but Jolene and I were talking about how, you know, if your television is expecting to output all of this surround sound and it's just putting it through fewer channels, it can kind of blast at you yeah. like an air horn a little more than intended by the whoever mixed it. So maybe that's not a fault of the people making the movie oh, at all. No, no, you, you can get... Uh... Like most newer players, you can select to have sound put through, uh, uh, condensed down so it goes through fewer channels. Yeah, I had no problem with the sound. Okay, good. It sounded fantastic. Yeah. I wish more movies had just that kind of ambiance sound. Mm. Oh, yeah. Instead of music or... This uh, musician is uh, Rich Vreeland. Rich Vreeland. A.K. Disaster Piece. Disaster Piece. Yeah, I thought that was a cool name. Uh, you can see a, there's a short interview with him on the disc. And there's also an interview with him on... Uh, there's a station called WFMU out of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have this really good uh, soundtrack program called Morricone Island. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, they interviewed him summer last year, I think. Yeah, but it's all archived. You can... Fantastic. Listen to it. Yeah, he's really cool. He he did like uh, video game uh, soundtracks, and he he did one uh, for uh, a game called Fez. Oh, I have and that the, game. And the director was playing it and really liked the soundtrack. That game, so he, he that game's pretty good. Contacted him. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of David Lynch's Eraser Head with <laughs> socks sizzling on the radiator for mm. the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> in the background it reminded me of the uh that they have that music concrete uh soundtrack for the original texas chainsaw mm-hmm. where uh it, it can be sound effects you're not sure whether it's coming from the what's going on in the movie or it's the soundtrack itself mm-hmm. yeah so and, and and sometimes it's pretty car- carpenter-esque and yeah sometimes it's like basil Pol- polydorus and or early vangelis or and you did notice a um, the the conspicuous use of a ball. Yeah, it, but it, it wasn't a, a, like a yet another version of the the ghost ball from Mario Bava. Is <laughs> I, I made that note. I said, "Is this a is this a Bava reference here or an homage?" But the way it was used really wasn't the same, was it? No. <clears throat> the way it just hits the window suddenly. It's like Bava, <laughs> and then and then it kind of explains where it came from. Yeah, they yeah. show that kid looking in the window, the pervy neighbor kid. Mm-hmm. But the, the, this movie kind of invites like interpretations and people reading into detail. So like, oh yeah, if you look it up online, there's there's some persons written about how. Um, I'm not I'm not saying this is this is stupid. Is you know is uh, every uh, the um, it is associated with a red ball. So uh, there's the one that hits the window, um, and they spotted other ones. Like uh, at one point, Jay is wearing a t-shirt, and when I think Greg dies, her hair moves away from her t-shirt, and you can see it's a red ball. It's like a balloon or a 
lollipop or something. I couldn't hmm. tell what it was. Hmm. Strange. I have to look is, for that. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, to not to move too far away from this whole, uh, you know, underlying theme that supposedly exists through this movie, which makes sense. Um, somebody on Reddit had uh, submitted this months ago. Someone named Trick Bees, that's her username on Reddit, had said um, their biggest takeaway was that it symbolizes the struggle between life and death in a very literal way, life including sex. Um, and the uh, younger sister, Yara, the one that had the little shell-shaped um, reader, the compact-looking thing, um, she said that death is certain as long as there's life. Uh, it will always follow you. And so there you have it. It is passed along through sex. And if you think about it, the only real way to end it would be ending procreation. So the movie just shows this on an individual scale. So they, they had to say... Um, something that we could actually hear in case we were paying attention and wanted to pick that up. Um, but on a grander scale, death will always exist and we're just outrunning it and we never can really conquer it. And we certainly can't conquer it by treating it like the blob and luring it into a <laughs> nice skating rink, or in this case, a swimming pool surrounded by lamps. Um, I found a couple things interesting about the invisible uh, entity thing. When they were at the pool or earlier when they were at the lake, um, I kind of, because other people couldn't see it other than the person who was infected with the, uh, the it, um, I didn't think they'd be able to see things like it pulling somebody's hair or um, moving a chair or anything like that. Do you think that was a good choice in storytelling? Or could, could it have been if more effective without it or just as effective without it? Hmm. Like throwing a sheet over it, shooting it. Um, yeah. <laughs> dear listeners, that's Leela. <laughs> um, I think it worked. Um, it, you, it didn't take anything away from the story for you at all? No, not at all. Okay. I don't think so. I found Why it a little, did, it, did it, it? I found it a little bit distracting. I didn't find it detrimental to the story. Uh, just a little distracting. I thought they could have done it without it, but it didn't bother me that they used it. Julian, what do you think about that? I think it's uh, didn't bother me. Um, this is why we should know. never review good movies. Because <laughs> yeah. we're sitting here. I love this movie. This is probably the best thing I've watched in quite a while. I have nothing to say about it. Nothing bad. Uh, what are you saying? Uh, what I'm saying is uh, there. there's nothing I disliked about this movie. Um, and that was like... My point is that was the worst thing. That was the worst thing. <laughs> Something that didn't even bother me was the worst thing about this movie. <laughs> it's yeah. so nice to be able to say that for once. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing idiotic at all. Um, it was cool that they did, uh, you know, sort of making the, the, the time this is set in ambiguous, like we talked about before, by using old televisions. And uh, on these old televisions, and here, let me find this in my notes here. Um and I, and it's so funny. Another place in my notes, I put a little star next to this. I miss the promise of these quiet neighborhoods. You know, mm. they, they almost only exist in imagination anymore. They're almost just not real. Well, a lot of those neighborhoods were quiet because there was no one living there. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Yeah, it's boarded up homes in Detroit. Yeah. Let's see. When they're did anybody peg this as Detroit? Yeah. Like um, immediately, I was like, oh, this must be Detroit. 
there were some hints that it was Detroit. And not until so, when they go to the uh, like, where's that that ice cream place where where yeah, Paul is working, I think that's and you where... can see a sign for Twelve Mile. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I did notice the street that's signs. I, yeah, <clears throat> and then later they cross Eight, eight Mile. mile. Yeah, fade fade in the uh, the Eminem music right there, oh, right? Oh please! <laughs> and then they go to the Detroit swimming pool. Yeah. So. Um, I let's see. I I don't know where where it is in my notes, but there's a there's two different places where in the movie, two different places where all the kids are hanging out watching movies on an older looking television. One of them, if I remember right, is sitting on top of another even older television, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Everyone, I think, has used a television as a television stand when it quit working yeah. <laughs> until you find a way to get rid of it. But what were the movies, Julian? You, you... Oh, and they also go to see movies at uh, the Redford Theatre in Detroit. Yeah. Which is, uh... now that, that has got horror movie history because it's where they had the premiere of uh, Evil Dead. 1981. Oh, really? Yes. Which uh, which is set in Tennessee, is it? They yeah. go in the backwoods, but the students are from Michigan State. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, Bruce Campbell used to go and see films at this theater, so that's where he wanted the premiere. Oh, nice. Yeah, I found that information too. It says it's a um, an historic Japanese style theater with a fully functioning Wurlitzer organ. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Yeah, you see the organs, and you see these like uh, ukiyo-e decorations and it looks so really cool. nice yeah um we have one here in denver called the mayan which is cool because it has the mayan motif when i mm. lived in seattle there was one called the egyptian which had this great mm-hmm. egyptian motif yeah. which was very popular in the 1920s those old theaters it's so nice that there's some um preservation and restoration being done mm-hmm. on them because they're so cool yeah and it's great they picked that rather than just like some cineplex they chose this historic theater yeah well, and it's, it also lets them play uh, retro, like do, um, people are going to see uh, like older movies. Right. Because they couldn't really get away with that at the multiplex. That's very true. Really. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. So they go to see Charade, and, and of course it's the scene where uh, uh, Greg is being deceptive to Jay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he spots a girl that he wants to know if she can see that girl also. Yeah. Yeah, because he can only see the it that's following. Right. Girl in the yellow coat. <laughs> and she said she didn't see the girl. Mm-hmm. And we don't see the we girl. Don't see the girl we don't either. see the girl. We're not privy to this stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are at the very opening of the movie, but after that, no. Um, speaking of which, what did you think of that girl on the beach? The leg broken. Oh, back? yeah. Annie. That yeah. was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they did a nice job on that. And it, it's kind yeah. of like a, one of those... You know, uh, all those paintings Picasso did of women at the beach. It's got <laughs> distorted figures. That's right. <laughs> it, it looks sculptural. Yeah. It looks like an aesthetic choice that it made. <laughs> it, she's yeah. not She's not just killed. It's like horribly... Rearranged. <laughs> yeah, it's sculpted. Yeah. So tell us what the movies were other than uh, Charade. Uh, yeah, so uh, later there... Um, the first clip you see is from Killers from Space, 1954, with Peter Graves. Okay. Fellow from Mission Impossible and all those. Um, James Arness's brother. <laughs> the, the, uh, the thing that came from outer space. Yep. <laughs> so so in, in the scene that you catch, um, 
they're talking about the use of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this becomes relevant later on because they use electricity to de- try and defeat the, the creature, yeah. the entity. Um, and uh, like the other movie you see later on on TV, uh, this is... Uh, this Killers from Space incorporates footage from other films. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was itself edited into another film. Uh, it was um, Some people edited it to make it into a comedy called uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Hmm. Hmm. In 2002, which I've not seen either. But uh, uh, apparently they, they changed the Peter Graves character to uh, Dr. Fartin. And the <laughs> aliens are out to make Earth people gay. Interesting. Hmm. Hence the title. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Um, and in Killers from Space, Peter Graves' character is brought back from death. And at the point in the movie that you're watching on the TV, he's going through hypnotism mm-hmm. and relating what what he uh, went through when he encountered the aliens. Who came up with the ping pong ball eyes? Though? <laughs> oh, I forget his name. Who thought that looked good? The director said, just give him half a ping pong ball in each eye and leave it at that. And the, this, <laughs> I forget his name now, the makeup guy, he said, no, 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 let me do it properly. And so he, he came up with all these like special, he made these lenses and he, he had like the special uh, painted bits for the pupils. And he had some of them, he had uh, like a, another set on top of those and it, so that he could work the eyes backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And he was really proud of it. And uh, but they just look like ping pong ball. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I was thinking if they just took the pupil off, it might be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they look like Simpsons characters. <laughs> you ever seen anybody do like live, uh, like cosplay or or Halloween costume of the Simpsons and use the ping pong ball eyes? Ooh. It works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> I saw a really unwholesome group of people dressed as the Simpsons at a Halloween party once, and I'll never, for never ever be able to describe it, but it still haunts me a little. And they didn't talk, and I don't know. They had the real buggy eyes, and were they were sitting mm. on a couch? Um, no, but thankfully, I don't know. They're, no, they didn't have a couch. I think I have to let the dog out. Okay. Okay. Do you need to go outside? I want to say they had like um, really rudimentary latex masks that they had made with buggy eyes and and the overbite. So it looked like it was sculpted out of maybe yellow uh, dishwashing gloves. Oh, that's awful. You know, and these bulgy eyes that weren't ping pongs. They were like kind of soft rubber. So Mm. they weren't bulbous enough. I don't know. The whole thing was (laughs) really, really frightening. (laughs) And I can't watch The Simpsons anymore because of it. They ruined it. That and they weren't funny anymore. <laughs> so what was the other black and white movie that was showing? Oh, well, later on, um, they show Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. 
which is from the 68. Oh, did that have the flying creature in it? Yeah. I looked at it and went, is that Rodan? Nope, not Rodan. So this was an edit as well because um, Roger Corman got hold of like three different Russian science fiction movies mm-hmm. and, uh, and then edited them with American... In, in some cases, he, he put an American actors in certain points mm-hmm. and uh and then worked around them uh and one of these russian movies was uh, planet of burr which is planet of storms from uh 1962 and uh so he made this into two other movies the first was voyage to the prehistoric planet in 65 which is uh and he handed the american directing duties to curtis harrington who did some really excellent Films, Night Tide, and he did some good TV movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ought to look him up, Curtis Harrington. He's good. Okay. And um, and then he also used the footage from Planet of Burr uh, for Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. And in this case, the guy in charge of directing, although he's working under a pseudonym, is Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, really? No so, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Roger Corman school of directors. Yeah. Um, so he, he actually directed like... 10 minutes of new footage where they went off to the coast at uh, Leo Carrillo Beach and they had Mamie Van Doren as the head of this bunch of kind of mermaid Venusian women. <laughs> nice. And edited that into uh, the, the Russian movie. So you've got, um, for one thing, you've got the, uh, it takes place beside an ocean. Uh, water, to, you know, plays a part in the story. So right. Just like in It Follows, we've got the recurring the lake yeah you've got her swimming pool as her retreat to innocence and you've got the yeah and they go up to the lake shore and and then finally the indoor pool to attempt the electrocution right a la the blob and so it so in um in the prehistoric prehistoric women film they uh uh they explicitly talk about water and the ocean as being for funerals and uh it's also the origin of life good point um and it's also cleverly cut. Uh, I, I noticed when I saw it again that there's show a couple, of, like at least one of the scenes is out of order mm-hmm. from what you catch and it follows. Okay. Shall I go into this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think this is good. This is like Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz stuff. Yes. But, but anyway, it works. It works. I think it's deliberate yeah, because so much else is deliberate, you know, um, in, in this film. Nothing, um, does, nothing does feel thrown together in this. So Paul, at this point, Paul has gone over to their house to be the... He sees himself as he wants to be this like good guy, mm-hmm. and he also wants to get in the pants of Jay. Yeah, um, he's a teenage boy. Um, that says it all. Yeah, <laughs> so he's he's on the couch, and uh, Jay comes downstairs. Uh, when he's on the couch, uh, the scene is showing the lead astronaut being beguiled by the mysterious song of the Venusian women. Okay. Is this oh, kind of siren? Okay. The siren song, yes. Eerie kind of Star Trek uh, sort of song going throughout the movie. Uh, she comes into the room just as you see the bird creature. It's, it's like a, uh, it's like a pterodactyl or something, right? Which the Venusian women refer to as Terra, which translates to not Rodan. Yeah. <laughs> so, which could be a like a, a homonym for um, Terra. Okay. As in fear. But uh, Terra is the god guardian of the Venusian women. Okay. So she comes in the room at that point. 
Then it go, the next bit you see is when the astronauts are um, shooting at the dino men, uh, just as Paul and Jay are discussing their first kiss and uh, porno mags and sex ed. Okay. Uh, that doesn't really seem to match up. <laughs> it must be a way, but I can't yeah. think of... Um, but anyway, that's from an earlier point in the movie, I think. And then the next bit you see is uh, when the kitchen window breaks and it follows. Right. Paul gets up and leaves Jay alone. And he goes upstairs as the astronauts in the film are taking off from Venus and leaving the women behind. Oh. Listeners, this is why you listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The last five minutes are exactly why you're listening to this. Yeah. Because I got none of that. And I bet you didn't either. If you're listening to this. They've tuned out. No, no. They've skipped ahead to next week. They've, they're riveted. <laughs> no, I think that's great because I see that stuff and I know, I just know that the, the people making this movie, for it to be a good movie, they must be bigger movie nerds than any of us. Well, maybe not bigger than Jolien, but... <laughs> All right, and how about this? Jay might be Jay as in Jamie, as in Jamie Lee Curtis. That is a reference. And, um, and the first woman killed is Annie. And Annie is... From Halloween? Halloween. Okay, that makes sense too. Um, I did see that, and let me see if I can find that in the notes here. Um, There was somebody who posted something about that, believing that that was the filmmaker's reference to Jamie Lee Curtis. I can't find it. I thought it was possible. I don't know if it was deliberate. Um, Yeah, somebody, I think, had said that it was a reference on purpose, Hmm. which is cool. Because um, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to overtly refer to, like we've said before, don't don't reference a better movie when you're making your movie. But this one's a really good movie. Really so good, go ahead, yeah. make some references, right. make some homages. I don't care. Really good cast as well. Did you like them? Yeah, a lot. Everybody felt pretty believable. Yeah. yeah. Now, as far as things like uh, the first time we see, like, the super crazy girl approaching. In the kitchen? Well, that one, okay, yeah, that one. Okay, so the girl approaching who's got teeth missing, her clothes are half off, she's peeing herself, and she only has one sock. Um, it appears that no one else sees her, uh, but we, the audience, do see her as well. Did you like that approach? Like that that kind of, the crazy stalking? It was, what did it, it, it reminded me of Invasion of the Body Snatchers or half mm-hmm. a dozen zombie movies you can name. Mm-hmm. where it's somebody who you recognize or who looks like a normal person, but they're stalking on you and there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like that. Um, that was very effective in my opinion. I also felt uh, the it manifested as kind of pathetic characters. Okay. Um, it, it didn't, it wasn't like some guy built like Jason Voorhees. Right. Stalking them. It was like thin people or... The old lady in the hospital gown. Naked people or elderly people. Yeah. Yeah. That really tall guy. Yeah. Remember that, like, the uh, Star Trek pilot where you've got those creatures with the huge heads? Uh Uh-huh. And they keep them in the cage? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was something about their vulnerability that really kind of freaked me. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They were, like, super powerful, but at the same time, they were physically really vulnerable looking Mm -hmm. there's something eerie about it yeah did you enjoy the target practice at the lake house 
What'd they stuff in that cereal box so it didn't <laughs> I don't know. Move. Yeah. She shot it and it didn't move at all. I was disappointed the first time I shot a small caliber gun at some uh, some aluminum cans. I was disappointed how the bullet passed right through the can and didn't knock it over. Really? Yeah, that can happen depending on your range. Um, you can shoot right through a beer can and have it sit right where it is because it goes through so quickly. Uh, wow. It's better if you fill them with some water. Don't yeah. fill them with beer. It's very important <laughs> not to waste beer like that. But if yeah, you fill we always them... <laughs> fill them with water or sand. Right. It's yeah. It's a better. It's more dramatic and more fun that way. But yeah, if you're going to use like a 22, um, and if you have any broken lawn ornaments, it's great to just shoot those up too because they're not doing anyone any good, right? Yeah. But they were shooting cereal boxes. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, the one kid was sitting there holding his ears because it was apparently pretty loud. Well, that, that guy who's showing you how to shoot, uh, Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like, because um, like when you get to a certain point in your teens, some people are just shooting ahead and they, they're much more grown up. Yeah, that does happen. And he's he's like, you know, he's got his car and kind of looks like Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's 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 Mr. Cool. Yeah. He's teaching her how to shoot and everything. And of course, you can kind of see the animosity from uh the other friend. Oh yeah. Paul, yeah. Paul's like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> and there's a funny point though at which they're sitting sort of in the same position, um not too far apart where I look at them and I see their faces their faces are so similar, they could be brothers. Mm. And I'm thinking, all Paul needs to do is uh, grow his hair out a little and, you know, quit being a dork. And he's got, you know, he's got the same thing going on. It, of course, quit being a dork is kind of a tall order for some people. But he, he could. He could just, you know, take some cool lessons from his friend. and Some cool lessons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the... Um, <clears throat> The the it the creature the the entity the possession whatever we want to call it, um, it goes it goes after the girl at this lake cabin scene, or the lake house scene, and um, the attack is apparent but invisible to everyone else. Uh, then we do see evidence of it that is apparent to everyone: the mm-hmm. hair pulling, the chair throwing, all this kind of stuff. Um, I mentioned that earlier that that was. The only thing I could even kind of point out about this movie that that could you could take issue with, and it doesn't even bother me that much. It's, it's got a great like uh, urban legend setup. Yeah. And uh, but the you know witnesses are unreliable in that kind of story, so you know you've got like this simple rule for how to pass it on, but apart from that, it's pretty ambiguous. You know, you can't trust what they say. Right. Yeah. It's, a lot of this stuff is untested or unproven. Yeah. But we, we do get this little glimpse at every everyone being able to see it and experience it, which um, going forward, they were already really loyal friends and they were mm-hmm. they were on board with, with everything that needed to happen. Yeah. So this uh, was unnecessary to them. They were already believers. They were the initiated, no problem. Uh, but it made it even more solid, which I thought, okay, great. That's effective. We'll go with that. And of course, when they... Uh, hide out in that garage or barn or whatever it is and it kicks a hole in the door it yeah. changes it changes from a girl to this kind of skinny little boy yeah he's, he's he kind of he's kind of like a throwback to the kids who were spying on her in the pool. yeah it felt like that it reminded me of the kid from flatliners with the hockey stick 
remember that kid from Flatliners. <laughs> you want to watch Flatliners? <laughs> sure. Uh, the correct answer would be no. <laughs> you got that wrong, Will. <laughs> Maybe we should. I don't know. I we think it shouldn't go better than this. Why is this so hard to talk about? This movie? Because it's yeah. good. We should, we should be uh, careful not to pick good movies. Um, because it's it's less funny and uh, less entertaining, I'm sure, to our listeners. Um, now, when this thing changes... Our listeners, hell us. I know. Me, I'm... This is a chore for you, isn't it? I have nothing to say. I don't know what to say about this film. Okay, how about, uh, you know, driving crazily into a cornfield? I think we've all been there. I think we have. Is her stick in the right position on the wheel? No, uh, it was in park. Uh, so clearly this thing was on a trailer. Okay. Um, that was one of the goofs that I, I, I looked that one up as well. Um, I'm like, what? This this movie doesn't seem like there's much wrong with it. So I looked for the goofs on IMDb, and oh, okay. it, it mentioned it on there. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure because I'd never driven a car with that set up. Oh, with, but the, it's, with the lever? I, I remember seeing something like that, and it was in part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, um, well, yeah, you know, I, I had a funny experience with, speaking of cornfields and... Not crashing a car, but it felt like it. Uh, many, many years ago, I was driving um, through Iowa with my then girlfriend, and um, the road suddenly ended being paved and dropped off about six or eight inches onto a gravel road. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the signs said anything to the point, and this was before um, cell phones with maps and whatnot on them, so you pretty much oh no, I'm on some weird back road. I got to get back to this little dinky highway to get to a main highway. Yeah. All of a sudden the road drops out from under you and, oh man, it was like, kaboom, you hit the ground. And (laughs) to your right and to your left, nothing but corn, 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 corn. I'm just glad it wasn't children of the corn. (laughs) They have a little road sign for them. Yeah. Little silhouettes of Isaac and Evil children with scythes. Both of those guys, by the way, are awesome. Uh, so the thing they hear... Oh, you've about, actually met them. Yes, yeah. I met them at Flashback Weekend. Um, the one where Angus Scrim was signing autographs and uh, meeting his fans, who all adored him, P.S. Um, great guy. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the guys from Children of the Corn basically uh, will tell you that everyone they meet says, you scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> Which is great. It's good to have that. Um, I was sort of, um, I was reading an article. Yeah, yeah, it's in the new uh, Wang, Wang's Chop magazine. Um, there's an article about uh, Disney horror, and uh, they relate this story. The guy who did the voice for Bambi, mm-hmm. he went into the army. Uh, this must be in, uh, in the forties, and this big sergeant major came up to him and he goes, "Hey, you the guy who did the voice of Bambi." And uh, he said, yeah, and he said, you made me cry, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, the, 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 drill, the drill sergeants, the drill instructors in, in the army, apparently, um, they, they take great pleasure in terrorizing these new recruits. And uh, it doesn't help when there's something hilarious about it. Oh, they've got a vocabulary. Oh, oh yeah. It's a special sense of humor <laughs> my friend brian who who is a listener of our show um told me that they had a a big drill sergeant 
who was accompanied by a smaller drill sergeant mm-hmm. and somebody had nicknamed them Yogi and Boo Boo. <laughs> and so if you get that mental picture in your head, whenever they're doing some of their routines that they would, they'd probably done a hundred times before. Yeah. He said, it, it was all you could do to not laugh. <laughs> we'll have Brian on the show sometime when he's visiting Denver. Um, and he could probably tell us some great quotes from Yogi and Boo Boo. <laughs> I know one of them was, oh yeah, Sergeant, I think he's smiling at you. I think he likes you. I think he wants to buy you flowers. <laughs> that was one of the things that, that Boo Boo had said, just trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to provoke each other to get even more riled up, which is all made up. They're not really upset with you. They're just trying to make you a better soldier or at least a more effective soldier. But we digress. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so this thing comes back around to, um, hey, let's try to lure it in and electrocute it in uh, this indoor pool. Yes. In what was supposed to be an abandoned building? No, I don't no? think so. I they think just they were able in? to break in. Oh, that makes more you, sense. You've got like a this old building with lightning flashing around it is great. Yeah. Um, this Castle Frankenstein and they, looking thing. And then thing. they get indoors and it's like cat people and... Yes. Yeah, that did feel like cat people, cat didn't people. it? Well, yeah, because she's in yeah. like a swimsuit in the middle of a dark pool, and yeah. then pointing out shadows. She's creeping towards the edge to look back into the pool. Mm. It's almost unbearable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept expecting something to be under the water with her when they were showing the underwater scenes. Mm. And it also reminded me of it. Like uh, on the commentary, the, they point out, um, oh, it's like a Scooby-Doo idea they have. No kidding. For uh, for electrocuting this yeah. creature by lining up various household Im- items around the edge and then throwing them in. Did you catch that that was her dad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was... Um... But I, I thought it was like, it, it kind of makes sense because it's a bunch of kids whose only understanding of how to electrocute someone comes from Goldfinger. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is throw a heater into a swimming pool and right. they'll take it out. Throw, throw a toaster into the bathtub. Yeah. Which apparently, in a smaller amount of water, it'll work um, to electrocute someone in, say, a bathtub, but not a swimming pool. Yeah, it'd have to be really high voltage. I don't think you could do it with an American one. No. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it would have to not short out that's, on contact. That's the thing. You throw the toaster in the bathtub. It, blows your fuses so. yeah pretty much immediately i mean you're gonna get a bad shock i suppose if you're in the tub yeah it'll wake you up yeah you it know, could it's kill better you. than a cup of coffee <laughs> there's some there's something that a person who knows more about um, electronics and electricity than i do They'll tell you that, oh, it's not the volts that'll kill you, it's the amps. Uh, it's like saying, well, it's a dry heat. Like the oven? Um, something with higher amperage apparently is more effective at stopping your heart than something with higher voltage. No, I voltage. meant the dry heat. Like oh, yeah. The oven? Yeah, the oven. You know, <laughs> like, that's like, what I always think. Like mm-hmm. Arizona. It's, yeah. not, it's not the heat, it's the stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the, the heat. No. Arizona. Yeah, it's the heat. Yes, it's the heat. There's no humidity at all. <sighs> Miserable place. New Mexico also, right? No, we've we've no? conquered the overheating problem. Oh, good. Not like Arizona. Just by yeah, New Mexico's crazy too. It's way too hot. Splashing yourself with alcohol and running around in a swimsuit. You just no, you just don't do anything in the middle of the day. 
Oh, that makes sense. Stay inside with the air conditioner. You know, you go to the movies. I always thought that uh, public transportation and movies would be a good way to beat the heat if you didn't have... Public transportation in Las Cruces was terrible. How bad? So, uh, the buses stopped running at 7. <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, that's when you could catch him. I think there were maybe two, three routes. It was pretty pathetic. Man. I know we rode to the mall once from the college, which is not an unwalkable distance, but... We had to walk home because the bus stopped running at 7 o'clock, like on a weekday. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, when when you're relying on public transportation and it stops running, there is not, uh, there's not a lot you can do. But here in Denver, yeah, I could totally see riding around on the bus in the summer if you got on a nice bus. Yeah. You know, we thought that would be a great ad campaign for Denver. <laughs> we were on the bus once, and these kids were sitting across from us drinking out of a pint or out of a... Flask? Yeah, like a little pint bottle of something, some hard liquor. And at one of the stops, they looked out the window, and they spotted someone they knew, and they were yelling at her, get, come on, get on the bus. And we thought <laughs> that's what RTD should advertise, to ride around all summer drinking on the bus in the air conditioning. Yeah, it's an unofficial party bus. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I know plenty of people, um, so they don't freeze to death, will just ride the subway trains in New York or oh, yeah. Chicago and just stay on them because they, they make a circuit. And that's it. Yeah. Um, again, you know, we are distracted from talking about this movie because it is a good movie. Uh, so distractions aside, um, now there's there's one scene um, where Jay goes um, back to the lake, and she's she is thinking about passing on the it the yeah the in, the infect the spirit infection of of this thing that follows you. Uh, the implication is her standing at the edge of the lake. And she starts undressing is that she's going to meet these guys out on the boat and give it to one of them and get away. Mm -hmm. It seems like that happened, but the way this seems to work is if the person you give it to is killed, then it reverts back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what if, and this seems to be what's happening with Paul later on. What if you just keep giving it back and forth? (laughs) Uh, What happens? Nothing, or it it stays close by. There are really elaborate ways of getting out of it that I've read. So, yeah. so there's some fan theories on what oh, you could no, do. It was following them at the very end when they were walking down the sidewalk. There's somebody back there in the background walking towards them. Now there was some speculation that that wasn't like that was a distraction to to make you wonder like are they just going to be oh, in, yeah. um, because they were wearing shoes. <laughs> apparently everyone that you saw that was following was barefoot or at least, you know, almost barefoot because one of them had a stocking on. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't really it's matter. It's ambiguous. And, and I mean, it doesn't matter really because it, because there's, it, more, there's it, more to come. It is death. Right. Yeah. You know, it's coming. It's inescapable. Uh, and like the final shot, you've got, you also got a guy sweeping leaves. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, some people have taken that as a the Grim Reaper. Okay. But the Grim Sweeper. It, again, it doesn't really matter. It's a guy. He's clearing away death, evidence of death. Right. Mm. Uh, but 
I mean, it could be just a guy sweeping leaves. Uh, he has bright, bright white gloves for this. And when you see them from behind, there's you can see two dead end signs. Okay. Mm. They're just walking towards dead ends. I didn't catch that. That's that's cool. That's why this this will uh, probably reward you with subsequent watches. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm sure you can see like, this three or uh, four times. There's a scene where they're playing. Um, it's a, a card game. Old, Old maid. Yeah. yeah. I've not played it myself, but it's like a, you've got various characters and you can look at the cards and say, oh, old maid, there's an old lady mm-hmm. who, who's it. Yeah. Uh, there's two of the cards are a girl on a bicycle. Oh, okay. And Jake gets on a bicycle right after. Uh, yeah, you can read. Well, some people have read it as uh, possible uh, future fates for these people. You know, they could, you know, if they continue to live in the suburbs. Hmm. They could be these people. I suspect that in uh, Michigan, by the time there are that many fall leaves in the ground, it might be a little cold to be getting in the swimming pool, <laughs> the above ground backyard swimming pool. Um, I don't think it would be heated. It's not likely. Right. No. Uh, I thought the lake would be pretty damn chilly yeah. all the time. Yeah. Would it ever get warm enough? Maybe and then Michigan. by September or whatever, you know. But like, yeah. have, have you played Old Maid? Of... Not since I was a kid. Oh, yeah, so I was it, a kid. Is it a game where you pass on, you're trying to pass on cards to other people? Is no, it one of those and you're trying remember. to get rid of your own cards? I'd be I lying if so. I said I remembered. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're supposed to get rid of cards, but I don't quite remember how that's okay. accomplished. That, that play into the... That may be, uh, it's, you know, been 20... 30 years since I played man, old man. <laughs> so all of, all of that, um, all of that symbolism and uh, foreshadowing and the, the homages and the tie-ins, none of it feels out of place or conspicuous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like they, you know, they had to stuff this in to make it work, right. to fit it in or whatever. Um, the card game, the, the movies playing in the background, uh, the fall leaves, I would say, yeah, that it might be a little cold for the above-ground pool, which is, by the way, a very Midwest thing to have an above-ground pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have them. If you were to look at like a like the uh, aerial view from Google Maps or Google Earth or whatever, if you look in a suburb of uh, Chicago, like where I'm from, or suburb of Detroit, um, you would see all these big circles in all of these backyards. <laughs> and you're the lucky kid if you've got the, the you know, the... The good one, the deluxe pool. Yeah. Not just some little piece of junk from like Walmart, but really good, like four to six feet deep and good (laughs) filter, a little deck on it. Yeah. Those were the pools. So that's not really a gripe. I would say, yeah, it might be a little cold that time of year, but um, the the change of seasons definitely does uh, refer to, you know, the the cycle of life and Mm -hmm. death. There's another bit I didn't understand, really. They go to this empty house at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the hood, apparently. Yeah, and uh, they go upstairs. and Hugh and had been living. So Paul is sitting on this, this old mattress looking at these porno mags called Playpen. Uh-huh. And like the first one, the first cover has a woman in a swimsuit. Yeah. Which might play into the water theme. And then the second one has a, uh, a caption saying Femme Fatale. Hmm. Which might play into it. Maybe I'm stretching it. <laughs> he was... Maybe I'm not, but they're both close up, so they're, they're perfectly readable. And then, meanwhile, um, 
Jay walks past him towards the window, and it and it is this kind of stained glass effect. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, it's all comics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're kind of shellacked to the and window. I can spot yeah. Archie in there. Okay. And you can see who's the blonde one in Archie? Is it Betty or Veronica? Betty. Yeah, she she's in a swimsuit. Oh okay. Um, but one of the weird things is uh, someone's cut down the center vertically down the pages and then got a double of the page and fit them both back together down the middle. So it's this kind of weird, like a, you know, when you, you, uh, bisect, uh, yeah, bisect things. So it makes this pattern uh-huh. and it it's like a suggestion of some weird kind of stained glass pattern. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, it, but it makes it kind of feel like a, this, this bizarre, perverse church. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Kind of shrine they're in. Do you suppose since he was reading Playpen magazine, he should have been smoking a Morley cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> I wish more things had fake brands. I know. I believe in Germany they have a whole section of the f- film industry, we'll say, that is devoted to making fake products <laughs> for films because... They don't want product placement. Oh, no. Okay. So I, th- I believe they get fined if they have products. Really? Yeah, or they have to pay a fine, I suppose, is how it works. <laughs> it's not like they're watching the movie, the checklist. Oh, I saw a Coke can. You owe us. You know, right. I think in, um, in the U.S. Uh, filmmaking industry, as long as you have obliterated or obscured at least one letter of the name of something, then you're able to show it without fear of being sued or having to pay royalties or being accused hmm. of getting paid to do it. Um, but product placement sometimes is so obvious hmm. and uh, clunky as a result. Yeah, I don't like it when it's clunky. Uh, like Sometimes it's funny, like all the Italian Jello movies where they have J&B. Yeah. <laughs> because the uh, the filmmakers are promised like if they show the label of the bottle in their movie, then they'll get a case of it. Oh, so okay, you see it in yeah. all the Italian movies in the 70s. They could get paid a lot more than a case of booze. if they're Bad negotiation right there. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was asking uh, filmmakers about it, and they, they said, uh, well, one of them said, think of it this way. Uh, if you're at home, just uh, without moving your head, you can like look around and you can probably see four or five different logos mm-hmm. oh, yeah. without making an effort. And uh, so in, a, in a, any realistic movie, you're going to see logos, products all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, why not make money off that? Why not use it to your advantage? I mean, if, if it's crass, you know, people are like, you know, the movie stops and someone swigs out of a bottle and then shows the label that to the was, camera. <laughs> I don't know horrible. if you remember the, the movie The Shadow with Alec Baldwin oh, yeah. from <laughs> 1993 or 1994. Yeah, the like top that. shelf Baldwin. Yeah. At some point, they set down a glass or a bottle of Pepsi and it has the Pepsi logo and it's in the foreground. Uh. And that is the first time I realized, you know, like, ooh, product placement can be really clunky. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that they kind of fade out of focus even, sort of. Well, you're just focused on this 20-foot tall (laughs) Pepsi bottle on the big screen. (laughs) Uh, We should should have some bell that we ring. Um, 
What we should we? talk about products we like. Like mm, uh, that, that was a fine bottle of JMB you just gave me. Yeah. Is... <laughs> yes. mm, Cutty Sark, because that's what Santa drinks. <laughs> oh, tell him the Cutty Sark story. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't tell you the Cutty Sark story. I went to the liquor store to get a bottle of Cutty Sark because Jean needed it for her trip. Um, and I asked, do you have any Cutty Sark? And the guy's like, no. It's right before Christmas. I said, but that's what Santa drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, my name is Santa. <laughs> that would be the next line for them. I actually reached a point where, you know, when you're at the end of a relationship, whether it's a, an important one or a less important one, where you have that defining moment where something happens, where you say, this person isn't right. And here's a great example of that. <laughs> um, like, they might say that they think something that you know is really stupid is is really great. Or one of those moments with this girl that I only dated briefly many years ago was she said Cuddy Shark. Um, mm. <laughs> there was all this booze left over from the uh, company uh, Christmas party. And uh, her boss let her like load up a box with some bottles. And she goes, and look, and she goes, and look, I got some Cuddy Shark. <laughs> And I'm looking right at the bottle and I think, well, it's got a boat on it so I could see where, but there's no fin sticking out of the water next to the boat and you're too stupid to date anymore. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't the moment where I got up and left, but it was the moment where I started looking for the exit. Yeah. <laughs> Cutty shark. Cutty shark. <sighs> I could see making that mistake when you were about 12. Yeah. But when you're in your late twenties, not no. so much. Just... Read a book, you dum-dum. Cutty Shark, because that's what Santa drinks. <laughs> that's what Santa Jaws drinks. That's what Santa Jaws drinks. <laughs> All right. So All right. we've got the products line, lined up for our movie. Cutty Shark. Yeah. Is going to be in our movie Santa Jaws is coming. TM. Santa Jaws. TM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it always has a little trademark next to it. All right. So... At this point, we've talked about a lot of cool stuff we liked about the movie. Mm -hmm. um, we can't get to wrapping this up without saying, um, Paul gets laid. Yeah. yeah. Hurrah! Yeah. So how, how, how do you feel about these, the uh, lovers of Detroit as compared to the lovers of Haddonfield? Well, I would say the lovers of Haddonfield, well... I would say their danger is is a little more physical and a little more present, um, but I think more escapable. Well, I, I, it, just in terms of their performance. Oh, the, their performance yeah, definitely the, better. The Detroit guys have more endurance. Yeah. But again, they don't seem that considerate. No, no. Um, which is probably uh, another conversation for maybe an entire podcast about uh, inconsiderate uh, people in bed. Because there are a lot of them, apparently. Yeah. But I think the lovers of Haddonfield are definitely the worst. Is the lead of that group? Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer, that's right. Yes. We're going... Eventually, we'll have t-shirts that are Ben Tramer and the lovers of Haddonfield, which is a... Uh, for any listeners who hadn't listened to our Halloween original versus the remake episodes. How are they listening to this for? They should go back. <laughs> Don't listen to them out of order. Yeah. It won't make any sense. These are very chronological. <laughs> this is a series. Another thing I think he might have picked up from Carpenter is like the use of the uh, scope format. Uh-huh. Because it, it, it creates this relationship 
for you with the uh, the evil presence mm-hmm. because it might come from the deep background of the picture. So you're you're, you're looking around all the yeah uh, the peripheral vision of the scope format for for when this thing's coming. Yeah, I was wondering how shitty would this be in the days of pan and scan. Oh god! Oh. And I thought I think my TV can be adjusted to four three, so <laughs> I might go home and and blow it up to see yeah. what, how awful it would be. I mean, it won't pan or scan, but just right. take the chunk out of the metal. Just cropped out of the middle. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. And if you ever see like the behind the scenes stuff um, where they're shooting a movie, uh, their viewfinder that they're seeing usually has all these little white rectangles on it. Mm -hmm. So they could see like, well, if I know this is going to maybe end up on television, at least back in the bad old days of square-ish shaped screens. They could could say, all right, well, we need to pull back a little on this scene so the sides of people's faces won't be cut off when they show it on television. Yeah. And that's the reason I think for pan and scan was to keep, Mm. you know, to keep from doing that. But yeah. um, Pan and scan for anyone listening who isn't familiar is the. It's a cooking product from the (laughs) eighties. The of glove and the pan and scan. (laughs) That was product placement. I just mentioned the of glove. Holy shit. And Uh, pan and scan. Pan and scan uh, is when you show the movie and then you film the screen of the movie being shown and pan around Scan and pan, pan and scan. Yeah, to keep the action focused on yeah. the center. Yeah. The screen. Because I remember watching on TV when I was a kid, you'd have a lot of those Sergio Leone westerns and they'd be like talking noses or. Uh huh, yeah. <laughs> or you'd hear a voice and then like a few seconds later the face would come rolling in from the side of the screen. Yes, yes. I think that was probably the same sort of thing that I realized sometime when I was a kid. That, yeah. The talking oh, noses, didn't they open up for Ben Tramer and the lovers of Haddonfield? Yeah, but they got into a big fight in Philadelphia. And <laughs> they've not worked together since. Uh, Ironically, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Uh huh. They were opening at the Pan and Scan. <laughs> the, the Pan and Scan Theater. Okay, and, and another scene, uh, the camera does a 360. Does it in several scenes. Yeah. There's that scene at the school. Yeah. Where it just revolves around and you get a couple of glimpses of this character coming from deep background towards mm-hmm. the camera. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of uh that's not used much in horror movies at all. No. I can think of Detoda's King, which which might be relevant, The Death King, which is a your Buck Wright movie. Never heard of it. Uh he made Necromantic Necromantic Two Toast King Tram. Four, but not three. Extreme horror German filmmaker. Hmm. Very nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> As but, I'm sure most of them yeah, are. They're, yeah, they're not, they, they never got released, huh. like general release here. Yeah. But I used to go and see all those films at the Scarlet and Cinema in London, and mm. he was there for a couple of the premieres. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you should check him out if you're into. <laughs> they're really well made, grim, uh, sometimes funny films, sometimes. and they're, they're they're usually about death. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So he he does like the three sixty turns around. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so for long stretches, you don't see what you want to see or you dread seeing, and yes. the camera comes back around, and you're kind of oh, what's going to happen? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it just got a little closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just glanced over at my notes. 
And uh, do you remember the part in the pool where um, the friend gets shot in the leg? Uh-huh. Um, in my notes, I said the Velma friend gets shot in the leg. Now they did say in the in the commentary that there was a Scooby Doo thing, or was yeah. that or was that a, a a viewer observation? Yeah, the commentary on the uh, disc is by. I should just look at the back of the disc here. Uh, Scott Weinberg, he's like the host of it, but he calls in various other friends who write about horror for blogs and things. Oh, cool. Uh, so I forget their names, but um, the woman who's talking about that swimming pool scene says oh, this is kind of a Scooby-Doo kid's yeah. idea of how to catch a monster. That's yeah. interesting because I did I did refer to her as the Velma friend because I couldn't remember the character's name. Um, so the... yeah, she's she's Yara. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. she's she's the one who reads Dostoevsky on her <laughs> on her e clam shell. shell, yeah, which makeup case, which looked like a birth control compact. Which oh, is an interesting, that. that's an interesting thing that could not have just been accidental. That had to have been intentional. Yeah, um, it's also a shell shape, so it might relate back to the mermaids in <laughs> Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric <laughs> Women. It also might relate back to the birth of Venus by Botticelli. That's what I thought. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, that's what I thought was Botticelli. The water motif again. This material is much more rich and dense than people might think upon first viewing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going through it going, I know I'm missing something. I see something that could be something and I don't know what it is. And that's not frustrating. That's actually oh, exciting. Yeah. And I love to see that. Yeah. How many recent horror films have you wanted to see more than once? Right. Not a lot. Yeah. Because so, so many of them, like the found footage ones, I can see once. because And they can be effective, but... They're ugly looking films. They mm -hmm. deliberately, they strip away production design. Yeah. It's like uh, when you were talking to Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. Um, he was saying, art direct, it doesn't cost anything for you to do it yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, why are those, I think you said something like, uh, why are those dirty socks in the shop? <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what relevancy do they have to the plot? If they don't have a relevancy, get rid of them. It's distracting. It's bad art direction. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He, he was saying uh, that, if you're going to be doing all this stuff yourself, uh, this basically the stuff that doesn't cost anything, this, the things you can do. And one of them he mentions is, other than art direction, is writing. Mm -hmm. He says, that doesn't cost you anything. You know, you sit with your pen and your paper. Or even less cost than that, sit at your keyboard. Mm -hmm. And if your writing isn't good enough, then rewrite it until it is good enough. Yeah. And if you don't recognize good writing yourself, then uh, people will eventually tell you. Yeah. And, and good writing is knowing what to miss out as well. Yes. Which yeah. this film does. Yeah, yeah, you don't need exposition. This this movie did very little exposition. Which I really like. Yeah. You know these kids have histories. Mm -hmm. You get the idea they grew up together. It sets up a rule, mm -hmm. but it's not... They don't beat you over the head yeah, with it. Yeah, they don't beat you over the head with it. It's not every detail explained. We didn't get an origin of this thing. Mm -hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no parental figure they go to and tells yeah. them anything. No. Yeah, there's like no parents in this picture. Right, right. Which reminded me of the movie Kids, which I always saw as yeah. a, a modern take on Dracula. That was the Harmony Corinne movie. Because yeah. mm -hmm. what's his name? Casper has AIDS and he's sleeping with underage girls. Yeah, he, he sleep rapes he, that girl. Yeah, he's going for virgins. And yeah, if you watch it, it's, I don't know, it was like a update of dracula instead of proper victorian women being overtaken by this 
animal beast thing. This foreigner. This foreigner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. So all of that... Um... All of that stuff we've said about this movie that we liked and a lot of the stuff we've said that uh, was hiding in there um, is enough to encourage our listeners to go back and watch it again if you haven't. Um, if you haven't watched it, I don't know why you're listening to this, but uh, uh, watch it and watch it again. I do plan to, to give it repeated viewings to um, hopefully notice a few more things. Yeah, I'm going to have Eugenia watch this even though she doesn't like horror films, I think. She'll be okay with this one. It has creepy moments, but there's but they don't kill you with jump scares. Um, other than the, uh, the ball sc- against the window made me jump. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was one. The the tall guy coming out the door. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, one. that was a genuinely creepy moment, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a good deflection. I think the slow that- crawl to the edge of the pool was. <laughs> that was excruciating mm. in a good way. That yeah. was too much. <laughs> So all of this being said, would you recommend this, Doug? Highly. Okay. Jolian? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would people also. people are looking for good horror movies in the last five years, I think this is about the only one I'd say, yeah, this is Yeah, it. i got to figure out a way to send this to my dad. This is kind it's... of out there movie he'd like. Yeah, it it uh, apparently was originally released in 2014. Um, that's how the date... That's part of the problem I had looking it up should... uh, to find it for less than cost we'll say <laughs> for free uh, viewing <laughs> was that i thought it was from 2015 well it it uh it was more recognized in 2015 but yeah. officially released in 2014 yeah uh, yeah it was, it was like it came out of festivals and then it, they rolled it out bigger and bigger yeah they yeah. they were going to um pull it and go to uh, vod or video right. on demand and saw how well it was doing at the box office yeah. and they halted that move and just said, let's let's roll a little money in. This would have been great to watch with a bunch of kids. Oh, I think that would be so If, if I was a teenager and going to see this movie with yeah. a young audience, it would be fantastic. Those same kids that were at the Krampus with us. <laughs> oh, man, they'd have been losing their minds at this, I think. So we'd all recommend it highly. I think that's awesome. Um, and repeated viewings are, are a recommendation as well. Uh, have you guys thought about anything else that's... Um, a newer movie that you would want to watch and talk about or anything older that might be ridiculous and more, um, more fun to, <laughs> to more, play more with. fun to talk about. Yeah. I'm not going to uh, say ridicule. I'm just going to say talk about. <laughs> this pause can be as long as we want because yeah. those are the easiest ones to edit. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we could try to think of a theme. A theme. Like, uh, I, I want to see Bone Tomahawk. Um, okay. You want to watch I've that not one? seen that. And what was the other movie you mentioned? Um, the one I mentioned last time. Um, that w- that Taking w- of Angela Lansbury <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, we get Bone Tomahawk, Green Inferno, Deathgasm. Um, those were all released recently on, on DVD and VOD. Um, yeah, and Green Inferno I've not seen yet. I have not either. Um, so there, there are some new ones we could talk about. Apparently Deathgasm is funny. Yeah, it's about a rock and roll band, isn't it? Called Deathgasm. Yeah, it's a New Zealand film. Um, have you both? You've both seen what we do in the shadows, haven't you? No. Nope. Oh, that, isn't that the New Zealand vampire yeah. comedy? Yeah, it's got Jermaine Clement from. Uh, just, just the idea of vampire comedy just puts me off. 
But if it's good, I'll check it out. Yeah. Now, it, if you, just if you the think thought it's of comedy watching. puts me right off. Well, it's good in the way. <laughs> it's good in the way Comedy's that uh, Shaun funny. of the Dead is is uh, a comedy about zombies. It's good in that same way. It's as good as that. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's as good as that, but it's it's in that um, it, it's in similar circles as far as like level of quality, level of um, dedication. Apparently, they wrote ten times more jokes than they used. So the stuff they did use was pretty funny. Uh, they, or the stuff they cut out was really unfunny. Well, that's a, that's another way to say it. Uh, we could talk about what we do in the shadows. Um, we could talk about Deathgasm, which I have not watched yet. Um, Bone Tomahawk is good. It's it's a bit yeah, of a long sounds... haul. It's like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. But um, good. I like okay. it a lot. So we'll pick one of those, huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? And then, in the meantime, we should all think about something older uh, that, that we could watch that um, maybe doesn't hold up, that maybe would be funny as a result. Maybe doesn't hold up, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what decades have we skipped? We've done 30s, 60s, 30s, 60s, 70s, 80s. We could pick the 40s and the 50s. 40s and 50s would be good. Yeah, we, we did Plan 9. Yeah, yeah that's that 50s. 50s. So we haven't done much from the 40s. Yeah. And I've got the Universal Studios um, legacy collection of the Wolfman coming. Oh, yeah. I've got the Wolfman movies and all the Val Luton movies. Yeah. And we'll be doing uh, I Walk With a Zombie for the Voodoo episode. Uh, Whenever Jean gets back, I guess. I think that'll be cool. She gets back on the 20th or something. Yeah, I think we slated that for release on whatever was near Fat Tuesday. So. uh, we could do that. But, um, let's see. Yeah, something from the 40s would be good. Or three of them from the 40s. <laughs> yeah, Fat um, Tuesday falls on the 9th. And we haven't done foreign films. I have been thinking of foreign films, too. We could pick, you know, all South American horror movies mm-hmm. if we could find any. I'm sure Coffin Joe. Yeah, Coffin I was just going to say there's no problem there. And our, and our Brazilian I, listenership is already I can't good. think of many countries I don't have covered. No? <laughs> Iceland? <laughs> Can you think of Iceland? Iceland. I've got, I've got some Finnish and I've definitely got Scandinavian horror movies. I've not watched that White Reindeer yet. Um, but and, like uh, Scandinavia, you've got like Let the Right One In and the Cold Prey. And, and we did talk about uh, um, Dead Snow already. Dead Snow. We're going to have to talk about Dawn of the Dead sometime, oh, since gosh. that is your favorite. That's my very favorite. And what, what you you guys, do you have particular... Is, that's clearly my favorite. It was so personal to me. But is there is there one that you... Is there a particular mm. one or just a top three or something that you have to do three. sometime? Mm. Like Argento or anything? How about The yeah, Invisible we'll Man? To, we'll have to think of them. I've got all the Invisible Man series, the Universal ones. Claude Rains. Yeah, so Claude Rains and Vincent Price. And mm. Yeah, we'll have to, I don't know. Think 1940s as a decade. Let's think about that. Um, there weren't a lot of horror movies. Uh, yeah, you had the Val Luton and you had the, the end of the universal cycle of monster movies. Yeah. Uh, there were some odd... odd. Uh, the 40s was... You had a lot of movies where they had like fantasies about life beyond uh you had people uh, maybe because of the war but you mm-hmm. had lots of stories of lovers 
returning from the dead, like, mm-hmm. or people falling in love with ghosts, like the ghost and Mrs. Muir, and yeah, um, you had the uninvited, and yeah, good ghost movies, and then you had yeah. all those fantasy movies about angels and things, and all people who died in the war, you know, going to heaven, and there's lots of but straight ahead horror movies, um, yeah, not so much. How do you feel about doing The Exorcist? We haven't really oh, covered yeah. the seventies. I, I I want to see the. Uh, I've I've not gotten around to seeing the the extended cut. The version you've never seen, I think right. they call it, because <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> they're talking to me with that ad, you know. Yeah, um, Julian, you've never seen this one. And the thing about The Exorcist is, uh, you know, we've got this great bumper from Eileen Dietz. Oh yeah, yeah, we got to use that. Yeah, she did the Pazuzu voice and the spider walk. She did most of the body double work. Um, okay. For Linda Blair. I think all of the body double work. Uh, and that'd be a great time to use that bumper. And mm. We could plug those bumpers in anywhere we want um, because they were these actors were kind enough to record them for us. But um, we definitely need to talk about um, Dawn of the Dead, The Exorcist, uh, some other classics, some favorites. Um, I rewatched Rosemary's Baby six months ago. Okay. That was really cool. That looked, that looked great. Mm. Um especially considering the time in which it was made. There's a lot of good stuff. With the late 60s? Yeah. It's so terrible trying to film in the late 60s. <laughs> the bad film stock and that, the... That came out on Criterion. It's in good condition. Oh, yeah. It, it looks great. Um, no, it should not have been a bad time to film movies, but a lot of times they would either use this experimental film stock that didn't look good mm. or some weird new techniques that would just... Oh, ended up so dated, but uh, they played it really straight with that one. Yeah, as far as the you know the techniques used. Um, yeah, because the late '60s and early '70s, there's a lot of stuff where they just went, oh, let's throw in some slow mo or, you know, backlight this with some weird, you know, sun flaring, and you know there was some stuff that just got overdone. If it's a movie like that that gets revived and played over and over, then then you get lots of prints struck. Right. Yeah. So it's going to survive pretty well. Yeah. But, movies that are just you know they're just going to hit the drive-in and then disappear yeah that's when you're yeah. stuck with like a third generation print of a print of a print <laughs> it's gonna look bad cigarette burns and bad mm-hmm. edits missing reels you know, colors gone yeah saturation's terrible okay so all of that um i think we're unclear on what we're going to do next so we will just post about it on the facebook like i'm about to do about it follows so give people a couple of days to watch it and be ready. I mean, how long does it take you to watch a movie? 90 minutes? However to, long yeah. it is. Yeah, An exactly. hour and 40 minutes for It Follows. Yeah, this one was 100 minutes, yeah. 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 So. See, it's not that bad. And I, I had no trouble finding it to rent. And, yeah. uh, and Will had a little bit of trouble finding it to not rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got loads of copies at the library. Yeah. So uh, go to the library, people. All right, so until next time, um, we're going to, uh, again, thank the Moonrays for their intro creature feature at the top of the show. Um, You can find their music at themoon-rays.com or on iTunes or Amazon. Um, What's the other thing I always like to say? Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and stay off the moors. Yes.